Welcome to the Super Abundant Life Podcast. I'm your host, Olaomi Brigway, a transformational life coach and the creator of Super Abundant Woman, where we are teaching and equipping women who have a burning desire for significance to create an exceptionally successful and fulfilling life without burnout or stress. In the not too distant past, I myself was trapped in an agonizing cycle of failure and shame with my mind constantly dominated by negative emotions. But my life was dramatically transformed beyond my wildest dreams when I began to live by the power and the wisdom of God's word. My mission is to teach others to experience the same. On the Super Abundant Life podcast, we have only one goal teach and empower Christians to take full advantage of their rights and privileges in Christ so they can build exceptionally successful lives. Thank you for tuning in. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, this is Olaomi Brigway and welcome back to the Super Abundant Life podcast. Throughout December, I'm going to be bringing you some lessons from Salt Academy to showcase one of the beautiful expressions that God has given me in this year, which is Super Abundant Life Tribe Academy or Salt Academy for short. The reason why I'm doing that is very simple. I know you listen to me on the podcast, but if you're not in Salt Academy, if what you hear interests you and you're like, wow, then you literally want to sign up for Salt Academy. And the best news is it's actually free for you to sign up. If you want to get in there, the link to do so is in the show notes. The delivery style is slightly different to the podcast, so it's more like a lecture. But if you would listen carefully and even take notes, you will literally be blown away. Sit back and enjoy. Allow me, Brigway, and welcome to the Super Abundant Life Tribe Academy, SALT Academy for short, a discipleship training program for every Christian that desires to grow deeper in Christ so that they can be more fruitful in life. This is module one. We've been looking at module one, which is identity. And today we're going to be looking at the fourth lesson in identity, which is the consequences of sin. Now, if you remember in lesson three, we actually looked at the origin of sin. Where did sin come from? And I walked you through the steps at how evil or wickedness or sin originated from Satan. And we saw how he then tries to bring sin into the lives of human beings through three main ways, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. If you haven't watched lesson three, go back and watch it. It's a powerful tool that will help you begin to navigate life and win in life where the temptations of Satan are concerned. So we're going to build on top of that today and say, okay, what if 
somebody falls into sin? What if Satan comes, tempts the person and they enter into sin? What really are the consequences of sin that we should be concerned about? A lot of us think that the consequence of sin is like the judgment of sin. So for example, if somebody steals money and they are caught and then the person gets sacked or they're sent to jail, they think, oh, that is a consequence of sin. That's the judgment of sin. That's not the consequence of sin. Or if somebody sleeps with someone they are not supposed to sleep with and maybe they get a disease or let's say they get pregnant, they say, oh, that's a consequence of sin. That is not the consequence of sin. That is the judgment of sin. There's a difference between the two. And the consequence of sin or the consequences of sin are actually far deeper than the judgments of sin because the judgments of sin I will show you God has a way of restoring your life so that no matter what the judgment of sin is he can still bring you back far better than when you express that setback do you understand what I'm saying? So we're going to walk through it today and I'm going to show you why Satan really goes after human beings and he wants us to live in sin. He doesn't really have any benefit from it beyond what I'm going to be teaching you today. And I'm going to teach from the Bible in Genesis chapter three. Now remember in Genesis three, in lesson three, I walked you through how Eve literally succumbed to all three traps of Satan, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And as a result of that, she ate the fruit, gave it to her husband, Adam, who ate it as well. And as a result of that, man fell. So I'm going to read from around that point in Genesis 3, 6. So it says that the woman was convinced after Satan had spoken to her, the serpent, she saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruits looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom it would give to her. If you watch le lesson three, those will not just be mere words to you anymore. You will understand exactly what we talked about there. So it says then she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. Now that was the sin. That was the action. There was a preparation that went on before she actually took that action of sinning against God. What we are going to put our attention on today is what then happened afterwards. So it says in verse 7 that at the moment, at that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig trees together to cover themselves. When the cool even breezes were blowing the man and his wife heard the lord god walking about in the garden so they hid from the lord among the trees verse 9 then the lord god called to the man where are you he replied i heard you walking in the garden so i hid i was afraid because i was naked verse 11 who told you that you were naked the lord god asked have you eaten from the tree whose fruit i commanded you not to eat verse 12 the man replied it was the woman he gave me who gave me the fruit and i ate it verse 13 then the lord god asked the woman what have you done the serpent deceived me she replied that's why i ate it so that was literally how it played out now you may think the consequence of sin came later on in terms of God saying, okay, the serpent, um, he cursed the serpent, he cursed the ground for Adam's sake. Now, this is what I'm saying in terms of the difference between the consequences of sin and the judgment of sin. Because of what they did, 
the judgment was that the ground was cursed. So everything you read from verse 14 onwards, that is the judgment of sin. So for example, God said to Eve that in pain, you will bring forth childbearing. Do you understand that? He said to Adam, said, the ground is cursed for your sake. Out of sweat and toil, you will produce. And even then, out of, in fact, you put so much energy in and it will still bring to you thorns and thistles and weeds and you'll barely have enough to feed yourself and your family. That is the judgment of sin. But I really want to hone in on what Satan is really after. Once you get this, you will understand that even when you sin, even when you fall short of the glory, even when you've missed the mark, even when the Holy Spirit tells you don't do something oh, and you go ahead and you do it anyway, the real reason why Satan tempts us to sin is to bring out the consequences of sin in our lives so that we can literally head towards destruction. Now, once you realize what those consequences of sin are, you will, based on that knowledge, say, no, I know exactly what to do to be able to avert these consequences and make things right. Do you understand me? Okay. So consequences is different from judgment. So what are those three consequences of sin? Well, I will read it to you from the Bible and I will show you. It says, going back to verse 7 of Genesis 3, it says, At the moment when Eve and Adam ate the fruit, it says that their eyes were open and they what? They suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. The first consequence of sin is shame. Shame. Not all oh, I got pregnant as what is what is the real issue if somebody gets pregnant as out of wedlock? Shame. What is the real issue if somebody is caught masturbating or something? Do you understand? As in somebody catches somebody doing something like that. It's shame. The first consequence, the first thing they experienced as a result of sinning against God was shame. Was shame. And if you look at it, it says. The words are very, very um, prescriptive. It tells us exactly what was going on there. So Adam said that, if the, the Bible says in verse 7, that they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. Meaning, what is shame? Shame is a form of nakedness where you feel like your nakedness has been exposed. And as a result of that, you feel empty. There's a loss of validation. That is really what shame is. Shame is a loss of validation. You understand what I'm saying? Because before they sinned, they were walking around, they were naked, and the Bible says they were not ashamed. But the moment they sinned, the first thing they felt was shame. And what shame does is it removes the validation of God, your God-given validation that he implanted inside you when he created you. That confidence that I'm a son of the Most High God that Adam had, he lost it. And what did he try to do? He tried to use artificial means to replace it. So they went around and went and found leaves to try and cover up their shame. So do you know what that really means? It is literally why everybody, I was going to say so many of us, the truth is every single person on this face of this earth is still looking and searching for self-worth. Don't you understand? Don't, don't you realize that 
everyone you meet, no matter how confident they seem to be, there will be a there will be points in their life where they will struggle with a low self-esteem and a sense of low self-worth. It is it is the consequence of this of the fall, of sin, of shame. Do you understand that? So the first thing Satan is really going for is he wants to destroy your identity. God was the one that gave Adam and Eve the identity. He was the one that named them. He was the one that said, be fruitful, multiply, and he blessed them. But the moment sin came in, shame came in, and immediately that identity, that sense of significance and worth that was defined by God was gone. And they try to use artificial things. That is why every single person on the face of this earth is looking for validation. That's what we're all looking for. Validation. You want somebody somewhere to validate you. The husband is looking for validation from the wife. The wife is looking for validation from the husband. The children are looking for validation from their parents and their teachers. Everyone is looking to be liked and to be validated. It's a product of sin. Because try and imagine them walking around, not even caring about the fact that they were naked to then suddenly feeling shame at their nakedness. And the best they knew to do was look for artificial methods to try and cover that shame. That is the root of low self-esteem, every whatever you want to call it, lack of self-confidence, lack of self-worth. It is rooted in shame. It is rooted in shame. That is why till today, no matter how beautiful a woman is, no matter how much, you know, she has all the statistics, whether it's 36, 24, 36, I don't know what it is. She will still feel somehow there's still something somewhere that is not quite right. And she'll still feel ashamed about her body. No matter how much a man may achieve in life, he will still feel this sense of, oh, there's more. I just don't feel validated. I don't feel like I'm worth anything. It's a product of the fall. So every time we engage in sin, the first thing that Satan is after is your identity. He wants you to go into that place of shame where you begin to question who you are, even as Christians. And because we lack that self-worth and there's a cry inside of inside us for that validation. We lose, we use all sorts of things to try and find the validation. Some people turn to drugs. Some people turn to alcohol. Some people will please anyone to the detriment of their own life, right? Some people turn to sex just for that validation, just to feel loved. Do you understand that? So that's the first consequence of sin. It's a shame. It's a shame. And that shame literally leads to a loss of validation of who you are, a loss of your sense of identity. A loss of your sense of identity. Yeah? All right, so let's keep reading because there's more. There's three of them all together that Satan literally is looking for. Every time he comes knocking and he says, go and do this thing that you know is against your conscience. The second one, let's keep reading. In verse 8 of Genesis 3, it says, When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard, they heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord called to them, Where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid. Why did he hide? Because he was afraid. 
So the second consequence of sin is guilt. And what does guilt lead to? Guilt leads to you hiding. It's a fear of punishment that causes people to hide. Guilt results in people hiding away. That's literally what guilt is. Guilt. That was it. I mean, they heard God. They thought, oh my God, fear of punishment. The person that said we should not eat this thing is here. Ah, okay, I feel guilty. So I'm going to go and hide as a result of the fear of punishment. And obviously that then leads to what? Separation, distance from God. When you feel guilty, if you did, let me give you an example. You, 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 you know you did something to somebody, right? You did something to somebody and the person is about to find out. Do you run to the person and say, oh, you, the tendency, the natural tendency is you want to hide away. You want to avoid the person at all costs. Why? Because you feel guilty about what you did to them, right? Now, what Satan wants is he wants to introduce sin into our lives so that we will live under permanent guilt. And guess what guilt does? He causes you to hide from God because there's a fear of punishment. Because you feel like, oh, I've sinned against God and he's going to punish me. Therefore, I'm going to go and hide away. And you literally create a distance between you and the father that loves you beyond anything else. That's really what Satan is looking for. The judgment of sin can be reversed. Somebody stole money and went to prison. That can be reversed. God can bring that person out and make their life way better than when they went in. These are judgments of sin that can literally be reversed in an instant. But the consequences of sin, they are designed by Satan to keep you away from the person who already holds your redemption in his hand. And that's the second one. Guilt. Guilt. Fear of punishment. Fear of punishment that causes you to run away. Yeah? To run away. I reiterate, the first one is shame. What does shame cause you to do? Shame causes you to lose your sense of identity and validation. And as a result of that, you start looking to other people, to things, to external things, to try and validate yourself. That's why somebody would be trapped in a relationship that is destroying their destiny and they can't leave. They can't leave. They say, oh no, but you know, this person is because they crave that validation. And the shame is so intense that the more they stay, the more ashamed they feel, and the more they need that person, the person that's wrong for them or to validate them. Can you see how this works? So number one, shame. Number two, guilt. No, no, these things are good. They're designed by Satan to separate you from the only one that can help you. Let's go on. Let's go on. The third one, the third one, it now says in verse 11, says, who told you that you were naked? Lord God asks, have you eaten from the tree that I told you not to eat from? Then verse 12. Now listen to this. I'm about to introduce you to the third consequence of sin that Satan wants to bring into our lives, right? The man, so Adam replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. Then Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied, that's why I ate it. The third, the third consequence of sin is condemnation. When you push, push down, push down, 
pushed down. And do you know the effect of condemnation, blame, accusation, pointing fingers, not taking personal responsibility, not taking personal responsibility. That is what condemnation does to human beings. Have you ever tried to accuse somebody of something? Have you ever tried to say, look at what you did? The person emits something will rise up within them and they'll start arguing back. Haven't you noticed that? Haven't you noticed that? It's a consequence of sin. It's a consequence of the fall. Condemnation, when somebody feels bad and they feel sort of put down and as a result of that, say, no, 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 I can't deal with this. So I'm going to pass the buck and I'm going to hand it off to somebody else. So what condemnation does, what Satan, that is why Satan will continually whisper your sins in your ears. He will continually accuse you. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. So the reason why he's accusing you is because he knows that no human being was designed to carry the weight of depression or condemnation. So they will always try and channel it somewhere else and begin to accuse other people and say, no, it's not me. Adam said, it's not me. It's the woman you gave me. The woman said, no, it's not me. It's the serpent you created with your own hands. Can you see that? And what does that mean? It means that if you cannot even take personal responsibility for your role in the matter, how are you expected to be restored by God? He can't even do anything with you. He can't even guide you back to where you're supposed to be because you have refused to take personal responsibility. Condemnation is a third consequence of sin, which leads to people never, ever taking personal responsibility. They will always find somebody else to blame. They will always find somebody else to accuse and to point fingers and say, no, it's because if that person had done that job, then I would have been able to do my job. The buck stops with us. That is how God teaches us to respond in the face of adversity. So can you see that what Satan is really after is not all those, listen, he's after you not receiving the love that God has demonstrated for you through Christ, the redemption. He doesn't want you to access it. He wants a Christian. He wants every person. Unbelievers, they have even not even crossed over to the point where they can even begin to hear the voice of God to avoid these things and to overcome them. But for us as Christians, he wants to trap us in shame, in guilt, and in condemnation. None of it is good because at the end of the day, they all pull you away from the redemption and the forgiveness that is already waiting for you. That's already waiting for you. Do you know that the Bible says that the Lamb of God ooh, was slain? So Jesus Christ was actually killed before the foundations of the world, before God created Adam and Eve. God had already foreseen what could happen and he already made the provision. I like to think that if Adam had fallen on his face and had said, ah, see what happened, who knows? Maybe he would have been redeemed there and there. I don't know. It's not written explicitly in the Bible. But if the Lamb of God was slain before the earth was even created, it means that it did not have to wait that long for Jesus to come. But he refused 
to accept responsibility. He went and hid away from God and he distanced himself from God. And rather than go to God as, again and say, this, this sin has confused me. I don't understand my identity again. God, can you begin to tell me who I am again? No, he went to Sophie Gleaves to try and tell him who he was. And as a result of that, that was it. God said, you can't stay here. You can't stay in this garden. Yeah, yeah. Come on, quick. Come and be going. And he judged that sin. Did God not reverse the judgment? Do you hear what I'm saying? The Bible says that in Christ, we are no longer cursed. So the ground is no longer cursed for your sake. I mean, God called Abraham and reversed that judgment of sin. It's like, I made him extremely prosperous. So judgment of sin oh, is not really the problem. That's the one people are afraid of. The judgment, oh, the, oh see, see what's happened as a result of me lying. Oh, my boss found out and I'm about to be sacked. Listen, it is better for you to own up to that thing, go to God and not allow the consequences of sin, shame, guilt, and condemnation take you away from the presence of God. Listen, judgment is easy. If they sack you and you, you allow God to restore you, you'll get a better job. I hope you understand what I'm saying. People run as a result of judgment of sin. They will run and they will enter into consequences of sin. They will enter into consequences of sin. <laughs> this is amazing. I hope you understand that. I'm going to show you one more scripture. Someone that got it right. And as a result of that, even though his sin was grievous, it grieved God. God restored his life. And that is David. Come and see what David did. See what David did. Go with me to 2 Samuel chapter 12, right? I'm going to read from verse 1. So he says, we all know the story, but I'm going to read it from verse 1. The Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. I love to read the Bible, so I'm going to read it through and then I will teach on it. He says, there were two men in a certain town. One was rich and one was poor. The rich man owned a great many sheep and cattle. The poor man owned nothing but one little lamb he had bought. He raised that little lamb and it grew up with his children. It ate from the man's own plate and drank from his cup. He cuddled it in his arms like a baby daughter. One day a guest arrived at the home of the rich man, but instead of killing an animal from his own flock or herd, he took the poor man's lamb and killed it and prepared it for his guest. When David heard the story, the Bible says in verse 5, David was furious. Isn't it interesting? Now, when we are doing something, it's okay. We excuse it. But when we hear somebody else is doing something, like, what? How can they behave like that? Let me tell you something. By the time you are seeing the speck in somebody else's eye, there's already a log in your own eye. That's why. That's what Jesus said. That's just a bonus. <laughs> so David was furious. Like, as surely as the Lord lives, he vowed, any man who do such a thing deserves to die. Oh. He went and pronounced, he went and judged the matter when he himself was doing the same thing. Says he must repay four lambs to the poor man for the one he stole and for having no pity. I'm, I'm sure Nathan was just amused, like, Kai, you didn't even respond and say, ah, this is bad though, but maybe mercy. I mean, David already knew he was in sin. He knew. <laughs> 
But he was happy to heap that kind of heavy punishment on somebody else when he was doing the same thing. <laughs> Look at this. Now let's really go to where we're going. Verse 7, 2 Samuel 12. Then Nathan said to David, you are that man. <laughs> it's you. It's you. Look at you shouting, accusing other people. But you are the one that has sinned. The Lord, the God of Israel says, I anointed you king of Israel and saved you from the power of Saul. I gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of Israel and Judah. And if that had not been enough, I would have given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? So he really grieved God. He said, why would you do this? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword and stolen his wife. Now, let me show you immediately. God literally begins to pronounce judgment. This is the judgment of sin. That's why I said, don't be too bothered. I know judgment of sin is, is painful. Okay. It's not yam. All right. It's not, <laughs> it, 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 it's, it's inconvenient. And sometimes it's catastrophic, especially if God keeps warning someone and warning someone say, change, 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 change. And the person does not hear the judgment will come. Go and listen to lesson one. God is just. God is just. So the judgment of sin will come. That's the external sort of manifestation of that sin, right? If you like, you can call it the external consequence of that sin, but it's not the real consequence. Okay. And God judges David then and, and says, from this time on, your family will live by the sword because you despise me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. This is what the Lord says, because of what you have done, I will cause your own household to rebel against you. I will give your wife to another man before your very eyes, and he will go to bed with them in public view. And that actually happened. You did it secretly, but I will make this happen to you openly in the sight of all Israel. Now, all of that combined together is actually it's all finished let then it says in verse 14 he says because you have shown utter contempt for the word of god by doing this your child will die so the child that was conceived as a result of the illicit affair between um david and Bathsheba, she was pregnant at the time i think you know she had given but said that child will die all of these things are judgments the judgment of god right? You killed somebody's blood. You killed somebody, their blood is crying out, right? Listen to what I'm saying. These are judgments of sin and the judgment of sin can be reversed. It can be reversed. And I'll show you, let me stay with that before I then go on to how David averted consequences of sin. Okay. Actually, let me start with that. So it says in verse 13, then what did David do? David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. David confessed to Nathan, which was to God. I have sinned against the Lord. Let me show you how the three things, how David averted and escaped the three consequences of sin that then made it easy for God to avert the judgment of sin from his life and reverse his life and bring him back and restore him. If you do not 
avert the consequences of sin, which is your choice. Judgment of sin is not your choice. Once somebody does something, the earth says, whatever you sow, you reap. You cannot, you can't control the judgment of sin, but the consequence of sin, if you, it's, that's firmly within your control. If you handle that correctly, it means that God can step into that situation and then help you avert the judgment of sin, which is out of your control. So the one that is within your control is a consequence of sin. That is the shame, the guilt, and the condemnation. It is up to you. Satan cannot force you to stay in shame, in guilt, or in condemnation. He can't force you to hide from God. He can't force you to begin to blame and accuse other people. Do you understand what I'm saying? So let me show you. David, in one statement, he said, I have sinned against the Lord. Number one, shame does what? Shame says that, okay, I have lost my validation, loss of validation. I feel ashamed. I don't know who I am anymore. You know, David knew he, who he was. And if you go and read, it was only one statement here, but if you go and read it in Psalms, he explicitly talked about how, God, I am your son. I was stupid. Sorry. Do you understand what I'm saying? He never forgot who he was. He didn't cast off and say, oh, I'm ashamed. So I'm going to go and try and say, hey, but I'm a king. How can you dare talk to me like that? Do you know he could have done that? Do you know there was a king of Israel that did that? God sent a prophet to go and correct a king of Israel. And the king said, how dare you come and talk to me like that? David could have done that. He could have turned to external means to try and validate himself. This is, is the equivalent of sowing fig leaves to try and cover his shame. David didn't hide his shame. He did not hide his shame. He didn't try and use other things to try and suppress the shame. He said, I have sinned. Secondly, he took personal responsibility. He took personal responsibility. He said, I have sinned. Adam said, it's the woman he gave me. David said, me, I sinned. What would have happened if Adam had said, ah, I ate it. God, <laughs> I chop him, no vex. Ah, forgive me, I have sinned. No, Adam didn't do that. David did. David said, I have sinned. And the fact that, you know what, shame, shame causes you to go and hide away guilt, condemnation, and all these things. And what happens is he confessed it to Nathan, to another human being. He wasn't too ashamed to say, I'm king, like I said, and kick Nathan out and say, who are you? And use bravado to try and cover out the whole thing. No, he was plain. He said, I've sinned. He didn't go into a corner to whisper and say, no, before Nathan, he said it before another human being. Can you see that? And how do I know that David took personal responsibility? When he got up from that place, where did he go? Into the place of prayer. He ran to God. He ran to the presence of God. What Satan is really looking for is for you to do what? Run away from the presence of God. Meanwhile, the Bible says that you should come, come boldly to obtain mercy first, then to find grace to help in your time of need. The first thing you must do when you feel like you have taken a step out of turn 
is not to go and hide. That's what Satan wants. The first thing you must do is run to God because there's mercy waiting for you. Submit yourself to the process of restoration. Take responsibility. Don't say, oh, that person tricked me. That's how I ended up there. No, God is not interested in hearing anything like that. God is not interested. If you're married, you know what I'm saying. You can't report your husband to God. I say, God, see what my husband He's you, he'll be correcting. He's you, he'll be correcting. He say, I'm like, Hello, who did I bring? Who, is, who are you talking to me about? <laughs> I'm the one that's doing the right thing. What? He's you. He'll be, he's not interested in you coming to report anybody to him. He's not interested. That's why he did not even advance the conversation with Adam and Eve beyond after they said, it is the woman he gave me. And the woman said, hey, hey, okay, I, my job is done here. There's nothing else I can do. Let's get you out of this place. The conversation ends right there. David said, I have sinned against the Lord. And that heart, he sidestepped the trap of Satan to enter into the consequences of sin, of shame, of guilt, and condemnation. He sidestepped, he was wise enough to say, Satan, get lost. And what did he do? He ran into the presence of God. He ran into the presence of God. Now, when, when a man, a woman, a child responds to sin. It's not that we won't sin. Oh. You sin every day. I sin every day. If you don't sin by you kill somebody, you murder somebody, you steal somebody's money, you lie, your thoughts and call. Jesus doesn't want you to think it, you've done it. So it's not, that's not the point. Jesus knows that we are fallible. He knows our, our weaknesses. That's not the point. The sin is not the problem. The problem is the consequence that draws you away. And have you seen somebody do one thing 20 years ago and they're still trapped in guilt regarding that thing and their life has not moved an inch forward in 20 years? Satan has won. Satan won. Shame. Somebody did something 25 years ago. They're still living in shame. It is still affecting every area of their life. Somebody went through a divorce. They're still living in shame. Oh, that's really what Satan wants. It was not a divorce. It was not the sin. It was not the fact that somebody stole somebody's money. No, it was not the fact that he spoke to that friend like that. No. All of that has been... The, the mercy to cover that sin is already available. It's called the blood of Jesus. You understand that? That's the trap. Those are the consequences of sin. Now, when somebody sidesteps and has his understanding and sidesteps Satan and his consequences and says, get lost. Because remember what I said, those three are well within your power. The judgment of sin is not within your power. Forget that. Only, the only thing you can go to God, do is go to God and say, God, have mercy. Have I, either lessen this judgment or bring something good out of it. You can't control judgment of sin because God is just. What he can do, I will show you. So God said all those things and judged the sin, but because David responded by running to God, not in shame, not in guilt, not in condemnation, but with genuine repentance. That is the antidote to those consequences. A genuine heart of repentance, knowing that God is for you. If you don't think God is for you, you will run from him. If you think God will punish you, you will run from him. If you think God is waiting to hit you on the head with a hammer every time you do something wrong, you will run from him. And these are lies. 
Why would he come and die for you <laughs> if he wants to do that? So David repented with a genuine contrite heart and come and see how God would take the life of that kind of person. Do you know that the same union, David and Bathsheba, that was so illicit, that grieved God so much, out of it came Solomon. God could have picked Abigail to give birth to the child through, 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 through whom everything would flow. No. Abigail was a wise woman. She did everything right as far as we know. God didn't pick Abigail. It was the same Bathsheba that gave birth to Solomon that succeeded David. Talk about restoration. This is how God handles the life of someone that sidesteps the three consequences of sin, guilt, shame, and condemnation, and runs to God as fast as their legs can carry them. God says, come, all who are heavy laden, burdened, and I will give you rest. What Satan wants to do is to destroy a man's destiny by causing him to run away from God. Okay? I hope that helped you. <laughs> I'll be back as we continue to look at identity in the next lesson. This is Allow Me. Bye.